Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern and Crystal Wright is back with me again for a new episode this week. Crystal, it's been a couple weeks. It's so wonderful to have this time with you in the Word. Thank you for joining me. Yes, good to see you. So we were together a couple weeks ago, and I would like for you to just quickly create the bridge for us between the passage in Isaiah that we looked at and the passage that the Lord has led us to this week. And we want to jump right in after you give the context to the truth and the choice, of course, but would you share why this passage is so important to you and why you chose this as we have reflected on our podcast from several weeks ago? Yeah, the quick recap, when we looked at Isaiah 58, the message was really, what are God's priorities? What is it Mm -hmm. that matters to him? And is it the things that we do that we feel like make us better people or make us spiritual? And the answer to that was no, God doesn't need that from us. He wants us to care about the things that he cares about. And all the things that he cares about is his love and his compassion for others, for people. And so... As I was reading um, after we did the podcast, I was just in the book of Matthew, and I came across the verse that we're going to talk about today, and I'll just go ahead and read it. It's Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, and this is Jesus speaking, and he says, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Hmm. So I was just reading through, and this verse just stood out to me as, Oh my goodness, Jesus is repeating the same Mm -hmm. message, really, that God had spoken hundreds of years earlier. He's, He's getting back to the heart of God's heart and what matters most to him. So that's why it stood out to me. And I thought, well, how cool would that be to to look at the same concept from a New Testament passage, because I think there's sometimes a temptation to have a reductive view of scripture where the Old Testament is, oh, that was the law. And now we just have, we have the New Testament and we have Jesus and it's all about grace. But I think that's kind of a shallow look at scripture. There's a deeper truth underneath it, which is we have this unchanging God who has been the same from beginning to today. And even under the what we call the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, what mattered to him and his heart is still the same as we see show up in the person of Jesus who's speaking these words that we're reading now. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought it would be kind of fun to to do this verse and just, I guess, look at the the parallels to what God said in the Old Testament to what is now being said by Jesus. Mm, Thank you for that introduction. And I love how you summarized the bridge between Isaiah 58 and our verse this week. And for me, Crystal, this is really one of those messages, one of those verses and a podcast that really causes us to wrestle with what is spiritual maturity. Because in our flesh, we are prone and programmed really to be about externals what we do and what we say and what we lead and how we present ourselves to the world and whether or not we're representing Jesus well. Now, that's not a bad Mm -hmm. thing, but externals have nothing to do with God's heart, has nothing to do with spiritual maturity. So as we've talked about God's heart, 
what he's saying to us in response to his heart that we looked at in Isaiah 58 is this is what I want the condition of your heart to be. I don't care about your performance. I don't care about the tangible things or the physical things that you're doing or you're saying or where you're going. I don't need you to be a missionary if I don't have your heart. So I love that you tied our verse of the week, Matthew 9, 13, into our passage from several weeks ago, Isaiah 58. What's interesting to me as we move into the truth is that he is actually repeating himself almost verbatim from Hosea 6, 6. So in our verse here, when he's saying to the Pharisees who are coming and they're challenging him and they're saying, why are you hanging out with scum? Why are you going to dinner with a tax collector? He's saying, you know what you need to do? You learned students of the law. You need to go and you need to learn what it says. So this is obviously, it's it's a pretty big insult really to the Pharisees because this was their full-time job and occupation was to know the Old Testament, was to know what was required of the law all the components, all the ins and outs. So for Jesus to say, you need to go and learn what this means is is really a wake-up call to them, but it should also be to us. So when Jesus is saying here in Matthew 9, 13 to the Pharisees, go and learn the meaning of, I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. He's referring them back to Hosea 6, 6. And Hosea 6, 6 says, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God, not burnt offerings. So in other words, I don't care about the things you do. I don't care about your religiosity, about your performance, about you following the rules and following the law. If I don't have your heart, none of that means anything. So because he's repeating himself here in our verse of the week, I looked at the word mercy in both the Greek and the Hebrew, and of course, there's a lot of overlap. But for me, Crystal, it was very helpful to dig into this just a little bit because I don't know how to show mercy if I don't know what it is exactly. I might have an idea of what mercy is, but it's a very tangible picture that we get of what God is looking for, of what God's heart for us is when we look at both of these words in their original language. So in the Greek, mercy means to have pity, to have compassion, or to prioritize showing kindness to others in need. So to have mercy means I am going to put people that have a need or are in a difficult situation above my own needs. Now, I don't know how everybody listening feels, but I can say most days that is not true. I really, really struggle with this because as humans, we are naturally disposed to be very selfish. But a condition, a heart condition that is merciful is that I am more quick and more likely to see another soul in need than I am to tend to my own. To back this up, in the Hebrew, the word mercy is defined as unfailing and loyal love, which is outside of any circumstances or conditions. So I am going to be unfailing and loyal to you despite of your failures, your flaws, the ways you disappoint me, the ways you might let me down. It's devotion. It's a covenant relationship. So here is where we see that to be merciful, we have to first receive mercy. In other words, I can't truly be a merciful person unless I have encountered the mercy of God. Otherwise, I'm just performing and I'm going to run out. It's not going to last. It's me putting on a good show 
or being a good actress, but until I have encountered God's mercy, I cannot truly be a merciful person because it is a reflection of a covenant relationship with God himself that we operate in mercy. And then just like in the Greek, we see here in in the Hebrew that it also means kindness or goodness, putting others before ourselves. But to me, the most significant thing is mercy is not something that I muster up. It's not something I decide in a new year in 2023, I'm going to be a more merciful person. I'm going to try harder, do more, give more money to the poor, start, you know, serving people that that are in dire straits or coming out of abuse or addiction or they're, you know, living in dire situations. I, I'm going to try really hard to prioritize helping those people however I can. It's not going to happen. We're going to run out of that energy by the end mm-hmm. of March. So this is when I encounter the mercy of God up close, personal, in a covenant relationship with him, it is out of that overflow. That is the truth that I pulled out when I looked at Hosea 6.6 along with our verse of the week that is basically telling us, mm-hmm. go look at Hosea 6.6, go learn what this means. And that's what, that's what I believe Jesus is saying here in Matthew 9.13, until you know the Father, until you know him in this very intimate, covenant, devoted relationship, you will have no mercy at all. You're just performing. So that's the truth that I pulled out. Krista, what was really highlighted for you? Well, as you're talking, I don't know that I thought about this before, but as I'm listening to you talk about the covenant relationship being connected to mercy, the Pharisees believe themselves to be in covenant relationship with God based on the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. What they couldn't fathom was that God would want to be in a covenant relationship with those outside of their religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. So the sinners, the tax collectors, and really the tax collectors in biblical times, it's not our picture of a tax collector of some really nerdy, smart guy sitting behind a desk, you know, who's really good with numbers. It's, Mm -hmm. it was a much more criminal type of an enterprise, very mobster almost, Mm -hmm. you know, they would shake people down to get the money that they needed. And so they couldn't fathom that God would want a covenant merciful relationship with people like that. And Jesus is there saying, no, this is exactly why I came. I came precisely so that sinners could be pulled into the merciful covenant relationship with me. And so thank you for sharing what you shared because it made me realize that I hadn't connected that before. But the other thing that I'll just share what God a situation that God brought into my life at work that helped me think through the scripture and apply it. Many people know, but not everybody. I've I've worked in uh, homeless shelters for the last almost 20 years. So I've got a good long <laughs> career history of working in shelters and you know, shelters run off of the generosity of other people being willing to give of their finances, their time, their donations. And uh, with that though, Oftentimes you get people that call in and they want to tell you what you need at your shelter. And they'll call and they'll say, oh, Crystal, I'm, I'm going to bring you, you know, a hundred packages of whatever, you know, they, they've got in their mind something that they want to give. And it may not at all be something that we can use, but they're so set in their mind that they know that we need this and we need to use it. Um, I've had 
too many stories and what I should go into on the podcast of people calling to donate things that they were 100% convinced was exactly what our women and children needed for their lives to improve. And little did they know on the other side of it, I'm sitting there going, I know this is not helpful. I know it's not useful. You're not understanding the true needs that these women and children have, but... Mm You want to feel good about what you have to give because you're going to feel good about it. And so I'm going to end up saying yes, and then my staff is going to have to haul this stuff around and find out what to do with it. But I had a a call that came in this last week where I was trying to figure out, how do I nicely tell this person, no, thank you, we can't use this. And in that moment, God reminded me of this scripture, and he's like, Crystal, that's what the Pharisees were wanting to do. They were wanting to come and present to God himself, God, this is what you need or you want from us. You mm-hmm. want us to be religious. Mm-hmm. You want us to fast. You want us to do this. And not caring about on the other end of it, is this even what God is asking of us? Is this Are we even hitting the target remotely close to what God cares about? And so mm-hmm. I was grateful for that moment at work because it really helped me to say, the truth is, We can't, like you said, conjure up on our own or come to God and say, God, this is what is going to make you happy or this is what you care about. He's like, no, I'm telling you what I care about. And it's a mercy. It's a merciful, compassionate heart that desires for anyone who would put their trust in me to be brought into a covenant relationship with me. And so it was that reminder to... Ask God his heart instead of me wanting to approach Mm -hmm. my life or um, even approach God in my worship as though I get to tell him what it is that this is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I love that really tangible illustration because I I won't forget that. (laughs) And it's like embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing to look at ourselves and say, that's what we're doing. We're giving God our donations. It's like, I I don't want your donations. I want your heart, right? I I don't want the stuff. I don't even want your time. I want your heart. And if I don't have your heart, all of this is nonsense to me. Or like 1 Corinthians 13 says, it's the gong show. You're just a clanging gong. It doesn't mean anything. So as we move into choice, I love what you shared because For me, the choice is I have to decide every day if I believe I'm righteous because Jesus in this verse is saying, I didn't come for those that think they're righteous or those that think they're okay. Those that don't think they need to be merciful because they're giving all the sacrifices. I didn't come for those people. I didn't come for those that think they're righteous, but I came for those who know they are sinners. There's a direct correlation he's making here between the merciful and those that know they're sinners, because again, this is about a relationship. And I know I'm a sinner when I'm in a covenant relationship because I have a right perspective of myself, because I have a right perspective of his holiness. So the correlation he's making here, if you're all about the sacrifices, you just think you're righteous. You're just giving me donations (laughs) I don't want. So I have a choice in everything that I do this week. This is very, very practical. It's very simple. Do I think I'm righteous today or do I know that I need Jesus today? Do I think that I'm righteous and I'm good today or do I know I need Jesus and how I need Jesus? What do I need Jesus for today? If I don't know how I'm dependent on him today, I am in danger of being a Pharisee. And for me, this is multiple times a day. Do I think I can record this podcast without him? No, no, I do not. 
Do I think I can encourage somebody or have the right words to say or I can pray apart from him? No, no, I do not. Because the moment I think I can in my own strength, he's saying, you're just trying to give me sacrifices. My heart is not your heart because you're not reliant on me. You're reliant on yourself. And you don't know that you're a sinner because you think you can insert yourself in the place that only I can reside in your heart, in your life, and in your day-to-day. So for me, the choice is, do I think I'm righteous or do I think I need Jesus? Here's what's so interesting to me. Our verse of the week here is in Matthew 9, verse 13. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, go and learn what Hosea 6.6 means. Now, Three chapters later, four chapters later, here we are in Matthew 12, 7. And in Matthew 12, 7, the Pharisees come at him again. In Matthew 9, they're coming at him because he's had dinner with a tax collector. Now in Matthew 12, they're coming at him because on the Sabbath, his disciples were walking through the wheat field and they happened to pull some wheat off and eat it. And the Pharisees were always watching because they were perfect in their eyes. And so the They're coming at Jesus because his disciples picked and ate wheat. So listen to this in Matthew 12, 7. He says, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. He's quoting (laughs) exactly what he said four chapters earlier. So they're still not getting it. That's where my choice is born out of, is seeing this in Matthew 9 and then seeing again in Matthew 12, he's saying the same thing. So my choice is how am I actively putting him in a position in my heart, in my life, in my relationship with him where I am not operating like I'm righteous. I know I'm a sinner and I know he needs my heart to be merciful as I am receiving his mercy, as I'm in a covenant relationship with him, because if I'm not, I if I'm not showing mercy, I'm just offering sacrifices that are donations he doesn't want, right? So what is the choice that you make as we reflect really on all of these mm-hmm. passages now? We have two passages in, in Matthew and we have Hosea 6, 6, pretty much all saying the same thing. What is the choice that you want to make moving into this week, Crystal, based on this verse? Well, I'm just going to make an educated guess that if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you are a follower of Jesus and have been for a while, possibly. And so like you and I, Carrie, we probably fall under the temptation of becoming like a Pharisee, (laughs) becoming religious over time. And so I think the choice I would challenge us to is what is it that we could let go of That is one of those meaningless sacrifices that we think we're making on behalf of God, the religiosity. What is something that we could let go of so that we have more time, energy, our heart is more open to uh, receive the mercy of God as well as give the mercy of God away? So maybe there's Mm -hmm. something really practical in someone's mind. They know, hey, God is not asking me to do X, Y, Z. What he's calling me to is to experience more of his mercy and to be giving away and looking for ways to be merciful. So I think that for us that have known the Lord for a long time or known scripture, we have to be careful that it doesn't become like the Pharisees where we're becoming too religious and we're getting away from just the pure beauty of the merciful heart of God. 
So let go mm, if you can. If you can I let go that. of something, <laughs> do it. Let God free up some room for God to to pour out more mercy through you. Yes, so good, Crystal. Would you pray for us that we would let go of that thing that the Holy Spirit's bringing to our mind this yeah. week? Lord, it's because of your mercy that we can even come to you to approach your throne and bring our prayers and our hearts before you because you sent us Christ. You sent us your son so that we could be drawn into the merciful relationship with you that's based on forgiveness, that's based on restoration and reconciliation. So thank you for that, Lord. I just ask that through your spirit, we would be prompted in those places in our lives where we're doing religion and performance Instead of uh, being under your grace and under your mercy, Lord, would you free us up to hold precious the mercy that you've given us and also free us up to be able to display your heart through us towards other people, that we would be able to become more merciful, that we would be excited and eager to see you bring other people into relationship with you, even those people that we'd have a hard time wanting to accept ourselves, but through your son, you love them, Lord, and you desire them to be part of your family. So make us wise and not deceived when it comes to how to serve you and how to follow you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyander. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.